Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to the show. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and we have a great show in store for you. It's Step Right Up, that's what you should be doing, and get life's golden ticket here. This is your uh, golden chance to get your golden ticket, and you'll know a little bit more about what I'm talking about when we get more when I introduce my guest and uh, he tells you about his experiences. Today's guest, Brendan Burchard, tells the story of how he was blessed with life's golden ticket, a second chance. This was after he barely survived a dramatic car accident in a third world country. And since then, he's been dedicating himself to helping other people get a second chance by changing the way we envision and strategize to reach success. His book, called, you no surprise, Life's Golden Ticket, uses a magical amusement park as an allegory that shows us the way to the top. So, Brendan, welcome to the, sh- welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Thanks for having me Carol. <laughs> Um, well, let's start, actually, with, of course, the life-changing event that you had. And I know you don't recommend that people get into um, uh, death-defying accidents <laughs> in order to change. But um, I'd like to know, first of all, what country it was in, how old you are, and take us on this story. Sure. I was a 19-year-old kid at the time. I was in the Dominican Republic. It was the summer after my freshman year in college. And all of my buddies from all around the country who were attending University of Montana with me seemed to be going on these magical, amazing summer trips, and I didn't have anything planned. So I used my brand-new credit card and <laughs> purchased some tickets to go down to the Dominican Republic and got a summer job down there. And was there a particular reason why you picked It was Dominican? far away. It was something that seemed magical. I always thought the Caribbean and the blue waters and the island life would be something extraordinary, and had opportunities down there, some connections down there. So I went down and immediately got a job basically give it as a tour guide on the island. <laughs> that was tricky. It was tricky. Since you know, you've I, never been there before, I presume. It, I had, and I really just kind of went down there and figured it out. And one evening we were, turn, we were coming back from a client's house. One of my best friends in the world was driving the car. And we ran at a corner going about 85 miles an hour. And that was literally the turning point in my life, that in the United States would have had, you know, one of those big yellow uh, U-turn-shaped arrows, 15 miles an hour, slow mm. down, there's a big corner coming up. Well, it's a developing country, and they didn't have mm. a sign. So we ran in the corner, and the car started skidding sideways. It fishtailed off the road and then hit a little retainer wall they had built for irrigation. It popped the car up in the road, and we went over this ravine. And... At that moment, I was just given a few gifts about the questions that we all ask at the end of our lives. You know, I remember as we were rolling down this thing, it seemed like, as most people report, you know, in, a, in, a, in an accident, anytime you're in one, it seems like everything's moving in slow motion. 
and I remember the wind seemed like it stopped coming through the windows, and the radio stopped playing, and I just heard this question, the first question I think that we all ask when we're at death's doorway about our life, and that's just, you know, am I ready? Did I live? Did I live my life? Was I alive and vibrant and passionate? Because if this is the end, you want to know, did you live your life? Were you really, truly in the moment each day? Did you do things that you cared about? Were you alive? And I remember the second question popping up. Just It seemed like it all happened so instantaneously, but it seemed so slow in my mind. And that last, that second question was, did I love? Did I connect with somebody? Did I love openly and completely and honestly? Because it's true, at the end of your life, you do kind of see these images of people who you care about in your life flash before you. And that certainly happened before for me. And then there was something, you know, I remember this, this large smack and the car rolling and I hit my head across, against the door and a few moments later when I came to, I was able to pull myself through the windshield of this car. And I looked down as I was standing on the crumpled hood of this car. I looked down and this blood was pooling out and spilling all over the hood of this car and I remember feeling this sense of fear just shoot to my toes. Realize I wasn't I wasn't ready. You know, as a young man realizing that life could really end and it, it scared the heck out of me and a second later I happened to look up and there was this bright, big, beautiful moon that night. And it was one of those moons that's so bright you can't imagine why it's so bright and the blueness of it was emanating into the darkness of the sky. And if the fear had shot down on my toes, this faith came right back up. And suddenly I felt incredibly grateful and appreciative and this sense of awe and wonder went through my body and my spirit, and I just felt alive. And I remember in that moment, it felt like the big guy had just handed me life's golden ticket. It was like, here you go, kid. You're still alive. You can still make a difference. Now you better get going, because now you know the clock is ticking. Now, did you think of it in that way, life's golden ticket, at that moment, or was that something that came to you later? It came to me just a little bit later in the hospital bed, as did the, the last question that we all ask. I remember thinking about that moment on the hood, and I just had a vague recollection of it, but I remember that question that I wondered about when I saw the blood sort of pooling out, and it was just this question of, did I matter? You know, as, as I was really just about to faint, I just remember, what was it all for? Was there a purpose to it all? And later on when I was in the hospital thinking about it all and thinking about those questions that sort of went through my mind, and I don't know if they went through cognitively or spiritually, just something that happened to me. And I remember thinking, you know, did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I'm still here. I, I, I get, this is like life's golden ticket. I get to live, start again, start over again, and live a life that I'm truly passionate about, that I'm truly connecting with other people, and that makes a difference. And that's where that metaphor came from. Suddenly I had this idea for... You know, the last 12, 13 years, this life's golden ticket in my eye. And I wake up in the morning knowing that I got my second chance and I'm going to live this day and I'm going to earn it. And I go to bed and I know that at the end of the night, the last couple questions I'm going to ask is, did I live and did I love and did I matter? Sometimes the answer is yes to all those questions. Sometimes it's not. But the nights that it's yes are the nights I sleep the best. Hmm. And what um, injuries did you have? You know, I broke a couple bones. I had a, a pretty uh, massive blood loss. But, you know, at the end of it, I always, I always tell people I don't really focus too much on the physical injuries because, to, to me, what it was was a real emotional renewal. You know, I think a lot of people, 
And the reason I do that is because a lot of people say, oh, well, you, like you said at the beginning of the show, well, I haven't been in a near-death accident or I haven't had something traumatic happen to me. That, the only reason you have been able to accomplish that is because that happened to you. And I say, it's really not about that at all. For me, it was just the recovery and saying in my mind, just out loud several times, you know, life can be better. And, <laughs> oh, and that's a good place to end, <laughs> to take a break. And we'll find out before the end of this show just how that happens, how you go about making life better. With my guest, Brendan Burchard, we're talking today and inviting you to step right up and get life's golden ticket right here. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, inviting you to step right up and get life's golden ticket here with my guest, Brendan Burchard. He's the author of the book, Life's Golden Ticket. He also... uh, is um, well, he inspires people more than two people, two million people a month um, by his books, his newsletters, his appearances, and uh, his seminar series. And we'll talk a little bit more about that 
before the end of the show to see how to let you know how you can get involved um, in addition to the, to reading the book, which I recommend and which I did read. But before we let's talking about the book and talking about your life, um, you mentioned that uh, when this accident happened to you, you were in a very um, bad place in your life. I mean, you know, when you were telling the story just now, I was thinking about how um, it's interesting. I mean, you're only 19 years old, and I would have thought that the first um, emotion you would have had would have been anger, like, or maybe not the first, but besides being happy about being alive and grateful, that you would be angry that this could happen to you at 19. I mean, because people don't usually think of death at that age, and, and it's like, you know, this is ruining my summer. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was in a very fortunate place when it happened, and, and that is basically sort of at rock bottom. You know, I had gone down there to work a summer job, but I was also gone down there a little bit to escape. I had come out of a horrible four-and-a-half-year relationship that uh, with the first woman I'd ever loved. I was a 19-year-old kid, but in Montana, around 19 or 20, that's marinade. Mm. You know, <laughs> and mm. this was a woman I thought I was actually going to marry. And the relationship fell apart, and I just felt incredibly angry about that. I felt cheated. I felt hurt. I felt like the world was crumbling around. I felt suicidal messages once in a while. I mean, I felt horrible, as most people do when you come out of a relationship, especially at that age. Mm-hmm. And to me, it just felt like I was on the brink of the end. It was horrible. And then this car accident ha- happened. And I remember it was funny because right before the accident, right before it, as we were cruising down this road, I remember going down all, you know, it's just pitch dark. You couldn't see anything but the headlights in front of us. And... The windows were down. Our favorite song was playing on the radio. I felt this incredible sense of vibrancy and spirit, mm. and I just felt almost just just very excited to be alive. Mm. And then to have that almost snatched away was a very great contrast. And for me, it was one of those moments where I think a lot of people have that, where things aren't going well, and then something suddenly gets a little bit better and gives you a little contrast and say, oh, it can get better, and then you've got to go back to your reality, and you go, oh, this isn't what I wanted. This wasn't what I bargained for, and it's those moments that really become the crucibles for change when you're able to say, hey, there's something better out there for me, and I deserve that now in my life, and I'm not going to wait anymore because at some point we all wake up, no matter how old we are. For me, it was 19. For some people, it's 90. For some people, it's 50 or a 40th birthday, but they wake up and they suddenly realize, hey, tomorrow isn't promised. I've got to start living the life that I want. My life, not somebody else's life, not my spouse's life or my boss's life or my peer's life or what everyone else tells me to do. I've got to live my life because the clock is ticking here. Yes, you know, that's um, one of the messages that I tried to bring out in my book, Coping with Terrorism, mm. Dreams Interrupted, because um, the gift of terrorism is that it makes us realize that uh, uh, also, I mean, that's one of the things that should make us realize that, our, the th- that tomorrow is not promised. You know, and that we really do need to live today for, to the fullest. Now, since this act, well, I just the the your friend who was driving was he okay as well? He wasn't. He was he was seriously injured. He had a serious head injury and and had some brain trauma. And for the rest of his life, he'll be um, not where he used to be. He was the kid who was going to go on to be the president of the United States. You know, he's a very popular person who just the the. 
it, it impacted him greatly. And the good thing about it now is he's, he's in a very good place. He's got a beautiful family now, um, a good job, and he's got himself righted in the world. And he was honestly for a long time some, a great reminder to me. I had thought about you know, what he had gone through and what I had gone through, and I felt incredibly lucky to be alive and more mobile and, and in a better place. And yet I felt obligated because of that. You know, yes. It's a good reminder sometimes to realize how fortunate we are. And that fortune that we're given, whether it's health or confidence or mental ability or just pure joy in life, that's, that's a fortune. That's true wealth. And we've got to use that and we've got to earn that. Yes. And that was what I took away from that accident was not just the juxtaposition of what my life had been like or what it could be, but saying, hey, look, there are other people aren't there out there who aren't as lucky as we are. Mm-hmm. So we are called to use our life and to use our message and our gifts to do something with that and do something important. Hmm. Yes, so instead of sort of getting mired down in guilt, you use that as even more of a motivation to make your life count. Yeah, and that's exactly what inspired, if I could share a little bit about one of the chapters in the book. Yes. It's exactly what inspired one of my favorite chapters, a chapter called The Center Ring. And the main character at this point who has been going through this dramatic journey of transformation through this amusement park is he's searching for clues into his fiancée's disappearance. He meets these number of characters who teach him about his life and her life and why they intersected. And there's a moment where he's standing in the big top, and he's in the center ring with this guide who's been taking him through the park. And the guide says, hey, look, your life is the way it is because you've lived it. You know, there's two ways to live your life. Some people, he said, look at where we're standing now in different ways. And what he was referring to in the book is I have them standing in the center ring. There's a ring to the left, and he says, let's imagine that's the past. And the ring we're standing in now, that's the present. And the ring to the right, that's the future. He said, some people look to the ring to the left, the past, and they say, why did all that happen to me? And what did I get out of that? And other people look at the present and they say, why is all this happening to me? What am I getting out of it? And they look to the future and they say, what will happen to me? Where will I end up? What will I get out of this ride called life? And the guide says to the main character, he says, but there's another type of person. And the other type of person looks at the past and the present and the future very differently. And they're the miracle workers in the world. They look at the past, and instead of saying, why did that happen to me? What did I get out of it? They say, what did I make happen, and what did I give? And they look at their present experience, and they're constantly asking, what am I making happen now, and what am I giving? And they're looking at the future, and they say, what will I make happen? What will my legacy have been? What will I have given? And there's two very different mindsets. And fortunately for me, I had one before the car accident and one after and it just switched into my head. It said, hey, look, this isn't a woe is me story. You know, my life isn't the way it is because it just landed on me. I've created this, and I have an opportunity to change this. I've got to start asking, what am I going to make happen in my life? And more importantly, I've got to ask that question that was motivated by that question from the end of my life is, did I matter? So I've got to ask, how can I use my gifts and my abilities and my blessing to be here today to do something important? Yes, it's so true that most people don't um, wake up and, and think, what, who am I going to make smile today? What uh, charity am I going to give today? What, different, what positive difference in the world am I going to make today? It is more about, let's see, <laughs> what, uh, you know, how much money can I make today? Or what can, it is, what, can, what am I going to get from the day? 
Yeah, and so many people, and, and I've been there, and I think everybody listening has it. We've all been that place where we get lost in our to-do list for the day, <laughs> and we forget what we're here for. We forget why we're here. We forget the magic that we can create each day. You know, we forget the little things of connecting with somebody or telling our spouse how much we care for them, looking them deeply in the eyes. We forget, you know, the joy of just seeing a child run down the street playing. We forget that all of our gifts and our skills are being built so that we can give back something and build something ourselves. And it's easy to get lost in the to-do list and forget that. Yes. Now, in this, um, what I loved about this book, Life's Golden Ticket, was that um, you don't hit us over the head, us the reader, over the head with what you're trying to say, but you take us on this journey um, where a the main character winds up in an amusement park that everyone thought was uh, closed, but in fact is a place where miracles happen. And um, through each of the different characters, you know, the amusement park characters, um, the the main the main character has to uh, learns different lessons and tries to put it all together by the end and and does come out at the end realizing that ma- making a change in his life is is not so much of a luxury but that he really needs to do that as we all do before life is wasted. One of the things, one of the um, paragraphs that I like is when. Uh, the main character gets to see his mother, who um, died in a in a car accident. Interestingly enough, um, called the the chapter is the truth booth, and he gets to see his mother again, but just briefly. And she says, um, she, "I, she, I'm sorry, son. I've got to go, but let me say one last thing. You can be whoever you want to be, and you can do whatever you want to do." I always told you that, and I know you used to believe it. It's time to believe again, son. Promise me you'll keep that in mind. Mm. And it's true that, um, you know, we, we, do, we are told that. Uh, some of us are lucky enough to have been told that when we're children. But then life's experiences, for example, with this character who has, whose mother dies when he's really young and he blames himself for it, and his father um, is physically abusive. And, you know, on the one hand, we may hear these kinds of encouraging lines, but we're also taught something else, um, that life is a dangerous place. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to navigate that. And so many people, I think, have heard that message before. And it's interesting because now there's this, backlash, of course, in your profession and, and what I study as well in, in psychology about the self-esteem movement and, and telling kids and people that they can do whatever they want to do and be whoever they want to be. There's sort of a backlash against that now saying, well, that doesn't really give them the ability to be self-disciplined or realistic or things like that. But, you know, I, I think so many reasons people are so excited about this campaign year is, is this idea of audacity of hope. And whoever it is, whoever they're voting for is that you know, it all begins with hope. It all begins with a belief that there's something magical inside of us and that there's this sense of choice and this sense of contribution that drives us, this, this choice that we can choose who we're going to be. You know, people ask all the time, well, do I have to go through an accident or with your work, you know, does, does it take terrorism to change your life? No, it doesn't at all. 
Those are just good perspective things. But sometimes people wake up and they have the same exact feeling. It doesn't take a car wreck. Sometimes you just have to wake up and go, hmm, you know what? I don't like where I'm at. But, you know, it is, it, it's so hard for so many people when, yes, they, you know, I'm sh- a lot of people, I would say, um, I don't know the exact statistics, but a lot of people wake up and say, I don't like where I'm at. And yet they also say, well, but I have to pay for this mortgage Mm -hmm. and I have to support my family or um, I have to, you know, I I have obligations. Right. Um, How am I going to just quit and be a poet? (laughs) And you know what I always tell people is, you know what, a life change doesn't have to be as dramatic as everyone always makes that out to be. The reality is most of us, if we get up and we say, you know, I don't like where I'm at today, you don't have to go out and quit your job that day. You know, if you wake up in your relationship that you don't love, you don't have to break up with the person that day. The goal is to wake up and say, okay, it's not where I want it to go, but I've got to start moving steadily now to something different or something better. Or, you know what, sometimes if you just wake up and you realize that, you know, you're not as loving as you can be, so now you take a little more time, just two minutes more with your kid that day. Well, these aren't dramatic things. If you wake up, I ask these people all the time, if you wake up and today you were just a little bit more passionate about what you do, if you were just a little bit more loving with the people you interact with, and just a little bit more focused on being kind to people, would that make a difference in your life? And people say, yeah, all the time. So it doesn't take something radical, and that's exactly why I wrote the book the way I did, is I didn't want to hit people over the head with what they have to go out and do. I didn't want to write a self-help book with bullet points of things they had to do to change their lives. I just want to take them on a journey of transformation, and it's a long journey. This character has to learn lots of lessons before he even gets to that point where he's really presented the opportunity to change. I think that's a lot of truth for most of us is that, you know, the journey to change isn't overnight, but the important thing is to be on that journey. The important thing is to start out and say, you know what, it can be better, and I've just got to start moving towards that. I've got to start moving towards that life I know I was destined to live, or at least I deserve to live. Well, you talk about three different steps um, to to get it done, um, letting go, getting clarity, and moving forward fast. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, I think so many of us are really hung up on the past, and we're hung up on our present circumstances, and we've, along that 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 route to you know, get all that baggage is we're holding on to it so tightly. So sometimes I say, let it go. Just all the stuff that you're hanging on to is excuses or reasons that you're holding back or the bad thoughts you have. Just let it go. Because it all starts with just saying, you know what, if, if you can't come from a place where you're light and vibrant, it's hard to change. And mm-hmm. you can only be in that place if light and vibrant if you're willing to be in the present moment and not attached to all the garbage behind you. Just be in the present moment, and you'll feel much more light and vibrant. And then from there, it's just saying, okay, where do I want to go? And so many people don't get where they want to go is because they've never been clear about it. They haven't said, okay, you know what? In a year, I'm going to be here. In five years, I'm going to be there. In ten years, I'm going to be there. And, yes, that changes over time, and, yes, you have to adjust the course, but get clear on what do you want. And I don't just mean you know, that in general statement. What job do you want? What role do you want in your community? What relationships do you want? Being very specific about what you really want and deserve is so critical. And then the last part is one of the chapters uh, in Life School and Ticket is about the high wire, where this character learns he's got to take 
one small, bold step at a time, but it's got to be bold and it's got to be forward. And that's so critical is that a lot of times we, we might take that first or second step and then we take two or three back. But we're never going to get to the other side of that wire unless it's just small, bold steps straight through, just steady, just steady. You know, the journey to change, I always say, starts, you know, starts with one step. But, you know, it's not one step. It's mm-hmm. one small, bold step, and it's got to be followed by another, followed by another. The, the real important thing, as everyone always tries to get you hyped up for, is that first step. What I try and tell people is, you know what, it's a lot more steps after that. <laughs> so let's get you mentally and emotionally prepared so that you can make the journey because it's not all the hype and self-help about getting people to change. It's always about taking, it's like when you go skydiving, they just psych you up to get to the door to jump. But you know what, there's a lot that happens after you jump that you need to be prepared for, otherwise you're going to be toast. (laughs) You're going to be screaming the whole way down. There's a lot you need to be mentally and emotionally prepared for along the journey. It's not just the first step, it's everything that follows after that. Yes, and I, I in that same, I think it's the same chapter where um, the hero goes to the lion's cage mm. and um, uh, is going to be toast until he realizes that, um, well, until he's motivated to be doing this to save himself for someone else or to, or no, to save someone else, mm-hmm. uh, his love in this case, or at least the illusion of her, um, that that the the point of it being that um if you lose confidence in yourself or or momentum um if you have something further to some other reason to go forward that that can make you hang in there when otherwise you wouldn't have been able to continue mhm i'm so surprised how many people read this book and come to me and and say something like you know i've lost the zest in my life or i've lost the passion or Something like that, and these are very successful people, mind you. And what I, I talk with them for a little while, and it always comes back to that chapter. And the lesson in that chapter is that we've all got to find something larger than ourselves to fight for. And the second that we get that, everything changes. A lot of parents know this: that uh, you know they work their whole lives to take and care for their children. Their children go off to college, and they suddenly feel a sense of loss. And a lot of times, that sense of loss you know, is tied to the fact that they don't have anything to do for someone anymore. And a lot of times life is like that, is that when the zest is gone, a lot of times it's because you don't have something to do for someone anymore. You don't have something to fight for. You know, a lot of parents, they fight and they struggle and they fight and they struggle to get the kid into college and through college and the kid succeeds and goes off into the world and all of a sudden there's this loss because they're not fighting and trying to succeed for something anymore. And in that chapter, here he is getting you know, attacked and mauled by these lions, and he's curled up, and he's freaking out and scared, and all of a sudden the lions jump off of him, and they go somewhere else, and he looks up, and there's his fiancé being thrown in a lion cage. And all of a sudden this man who was crumpled and scared to the ground jumps up and puts himself between these lions and her, and he barks and he screams, and he pushes these lions back with this huge surge of confidence because there was something more for him to fight for. So whenever I meet someone who says, you know, I just kind of lost it, there's not enough zest in my life anymore. I say, you know what? As soon as you find something to fight for, everything changes. Well, now, isn't that um, what you do in terms of finding charities? Um, to, In other words, for example, this book, a portion of the proceeds go to the uh, Kiwanis 
Kiwanis International, the Junior Achievement, and the YMCA. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that that was the kind of thing that you um, were referring to there too. That it's not you're not just out there promoting this book, buy my book and make me a millionaire, but it's that you know that with each sale or and, and also of course changing people's lives, which is fulfilling, but. It's also changing people's lives not only because they read the book, but because a portion of the proceeds are uh, is going to be going to help change other people's lives through yeah, these charities. That, that came across for two in two ways for me. One, it was when I wrote the book and before I even got the book deal, I said, "This has to be. This, I have to do something. This is a gift. This this book is a gift to me. I was given this book. I really felt that when I was writing it. It wrote itself so easily, and I thought, you know what? I I have to." Live that last lesson, that, that, that last question we ask is, did I matter? So I wanted to use this book in a way that made a significant difference instead of just going to my bank account and making me, like you said, some kind of millionaire. What I wanted to do was use the proceeds from the book to benefit some causes I cared about. And it was interesting because by doing that, you're right. I found myself fighting harder for this book. If I was just promoting it for myself, whatever, but you know, when I, you're out there on a road promoting a book and you're in a bookstore in Peoria, and there's two or three people who come by to see you, and you mm-hmm. sacrificed your weekend away from your fiance or your loved ones. <laughs> I'll tell you, if you're doing it for yourself, it hits you and it hurts. But I know I'm out there fighting for a cause greater than myself for these charities, and it lifts me and it keeps me sustained. And we did 67 events in 42 cities in less than six months. I was exhausted every single day, but I had to wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm earning this day. And I'm giving back, and that sustained me. Well, that's terrific that uh, that you're out there that much, and that it's the message is getting across. Um, one of the things, also, we were talking about this in a way before, but about society's spell, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that does hold people back. I mean, you know, it is. It's so sad that when um, children are are playing. Um, and they're young and they haven't had that many tragedies or any tragedies happen to them and they haven't been hurt that much, although, you know, unfortunately with things that, I mean, there are a lot of things, children who are being abused and so on and, and having getting old before their time, but, but um, theoretically for most children it is a time when they can think that they, and I believe in that, I, I don't believe in this, Backlash, you know. I mean, I do believe that you need to strengthen um, a person's, a child's belief in himself in order to be able to make him capable mm-hmm. of doing great things. Um, because otherwise, he's just going to be mired in self-doubt for the rest of his life. But so you talk about society's spell. Could you um, elaborate on that? Yeah, it's it's something that at the beginning of this journey for the character, he's being told. He's saying, "Hey, look! You're, you're sort of—you've been hypnotized. You've been tricked and fooled into believing things about yourself that's holding you back." And I think that's true for most people. Most of us have been mesmerized by society, you know, as it tells us in some way or another that we're not good enough and there's something wrong with us, that we are not smart enough, that we're not capable, that we don't have enough experience, that we're never going to succeed. We get all of these messages all the time, and they prevent us from living a life that we can have, from taking risks, from being confident. And that spell is just those consistent messages out there, you know, from advertising and from our neighbors and everything that says, hey, you don't have enough yet. 
you haven't accomplished enough yet. You better keep out there. And, hey, look, these people are living a life that you aren't living. What's wrong with you? And these messages sort of weave this spell into us thinking constantly in the back of our minds there's something wrong with us. It's that old thing, you know, where you, you go to school, you get a report card full of A's and one F, and you come home. You know, what do you hear about for the next five weeks? <laughs> <laughs> yes, or even if it's all A's except for one B. Absolutely, even if it's all A's and one B, or if it's all C's and one D, it's that one low grade that our society has taught us to focus on and attach our esteem to. I think that's incredibly unfortunate because we are so strong in so many areas, but still our society wants us to focus on those weaknesses. And I think when your life really turns around is when you start saying, I want to really focus on my strengths, I'm going to cultivate them, because no matter what, you can spend your whole life developing your weaknesses but at best, if they're true inherent weaknesses, the best you'll ever be at those is average. But your real gift, your real divine right, or those strengths that you are blessed with, those things that you do that come naturally, that you notice the time is just disappearing, that you're having fun at. And yes, you've got to cultivate those and develop those, but we've all been given those strengths, and yet we're not taught to focus on those. Instead, focus on the weakness, focus on what's wrong. And I think most people going through their days are focusing on what's wrong. Um, one of my other favorite chapters in the book is this point where the character goes to... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh hold that thought. <laughs> we'll be back after the break. We're inviting you today and uh, hope you've been enjoying so far. Life's Golden Ticket, the amusement park. Step right up and get Life's Golden Ticket. That's what you've been hearing about today from my guest, Brendan Burchard, the author of that book, Life's Golden Ticket. And uh, we'll, we'll continue on this journey when we come back. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with each 
easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, Today we're inviting you to step right up and get life's golden ticket here with the author of that book, Brendan Burchard. Um, we've been talking about the, some of the lessons that the character learns in the book, and uh, which is an allegory, the amusement park and the, and the different uh, characters that you might expect to meet in an amusement park all become the guides for this um, protagonist and teach him what he needs to know in order to change his life. And uh, before the break, Brendan, you were starting to tell us about what we need to do. <laughs> I was just getting fired up in one of the chapters in the book that has really resonated with, with people, and we were talking about letting go earlier. And it's just this chapter where the character takes this really beautiful ride on this merry-go-round. And before they do it, the guide with them is talking about how this person has lived his life. And he says, you know, I think that Maybe you are where you are in your life because you've been focusing on the, the wrong rides all your life. He says, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you know what? Most people, they focus on, you know, if you ask them when they're walking out of the amusement park, you ask them what their favorite ride was, they mention the big scary rides that drop them and institute all these fear in them and freak them out and these, you know, roller coasters and zippers and everything else. He says, that's too bad because sometimes... People remember those rides in their life, the things that scared them, the things that pushed them around and put a lot of fear in their body. But, you know, they lose sight of those beautiful moments, those, those easier rides, those moments that were beautiful that slowly lifted them higher. And he tells the character, he says, maybe you've been focusing on the wrong rides all your life because this character has been focusing on all the bad things that's happened to him and how those have landed him where he is. Instead of saying, you know what, let's look back at your life and find all those beautiful moments that that instilled strength in you, that made you a better person, those things that lifted you higher, you know, higher levels of motivation, higher levels of morality, those things that made you a better man. Focus on some of those things, and your life will start to change. And it was a real turning point for the character in the book. Yes, absolutely. And... uh... I, it is true that, you know, I didn't really think about it before now, but, you know, I, I, probably those rides, these scary rides, um, do instill fear. I mean, of course they instill fear when you're in them, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that stays, you know, in us. Once we're off the ride, and um, yes, we feel, wow, we survived and everything, but, you know, that probably does add to this, a stockpile of fear that we carry around with us. Mm-hmm. It's all those moments that we get trapped in and thinking about them and replaying the ride over and over and over and again in our life, and those are the same five scenes, you know, the same five bad things that happen to us. Well, you know what? 
there's probably a hundred great things that have happened as well. And if you can flip that switch and start focusing on those great things that happened to you instead of the bad things, I'm not saying to discount your experience. I'm just saying one that's simply going to drag you down and one that's going to lift you higher. Which one are you going to choose? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's sort of like my, what another favorite chapter, and I think this is a great sort of leaving point always with people who hear my message about what to do and how to go forward. And that's just a very simple one. There's a chap, he's standing there again with the guide, and the guide is there at the bumper boat pool. And he learns that there's two types of kids. There's the kids who jump into the pool, and they sail for open water right away, and they're just cruising along, and they're happy. And when he blows those whistles, those kids get out immediately. They're excited. They run on to the next ride. And he calls those the sailors in life because they have a clear mind. They're going to get to the other side of that pool. They're going to have some fun. Then there's the other kids. They get in there, and they start out with the same intention to get to the other side, but soon they're bumped by other people. And other people who are on a rush to get to where they want are bumping into them and pushing them around. And suddenly they realize how hard it is to steer their own little ship. And they get frustrated, so they do something unique. They just start spinning in one place. And he calls those the spinners in life. Yes. And the, the idea that the sailors are ready to get out um, is because they're fulfilled. They got to the other side. They did what they, they had set their goals and they reached them, whereas the spinners uh, just spin around and don't get anywhere and kind of get in the way of other people. Mm-hmm. And they got focused on how hard it is and how, how other people are always trying to get ahead of them. And they focused on all that, and they just lost that clarity that we all have when we're kids, that clarity that the road is open, that the path is there, that we can chart our own course. Yeah. And once we find that again, that's the magical beginning of change. Well, now, why don't you tell people how, what opportunities there are to find that again through the different uh, seminars and how to get the book and so on? Well, one of it is any listeners can go to lifesgoldenticket.com. That's L-I-F-E-S, goldenticket.com, lifesgoldenticket.com, and they can do a couple of things there. One, they can learn about our seminars. We do a, I do a three-day seminar, one coming up in Los Angeles, and it's going to be an extraordinary event in September. It's actually going to be in a big top. Yeah. And we're going to do an amazing thing based on all the allegory and metaphors of the book. Another great opportunity right now is we're still running our sweepstakes called the 2008 Golden Ticket Giveaway, where we're giving away free tickets to that event. We're giving away free tickets to major events by Harv Ecker and Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and other masters out there who I greatly admire who are really making a difference in people's lives. I called them up and I asked them for their most expensive seminar tickets and they gave them to us. So people can enter the sweepstakes to win those. It's just at lifesgoldenticket.com. Click on the sweepstakes. You'll see all the information there. We have 40 major prizes, including a trip around the world that you can win just by picking up the book and entering all the information as it says on the website, and then you're entered to win. Yes, which is essentially by through buying the book through Amazon, and, right, and then entering the number in um, on the web, where it's supposed to go on, on the website. Yep, they can follow that information there, and there's always, as always, there's alternate forms of entry, and everything is on the site posted there, but this is a chance to win. I mean, tickets around the world, the reason I put that up there is sometimes you need to get another place to have perspective about where you've been and where you are and where you can go, so I wanted to give that gift as well, and I'm sponsoring it and administering the whole thing because I wanted to make sure that Another part of this book, it really, outside of just the book, we want to touch some people's lives. And I think the folks who win the sweepstakes and the folks who get the free tickets to the seminar in September will have a radical new beginning. 
Yes. Well, I would, uh, again, that website is lifesgoldenticket.com, no apostrophe, um, just lifesgoldenticket.com, and you'll, you'll be able to read all about it as well as um, uh, some of the other seminars that there are um, that Brendan is offering. And, you know, it's, it's, um, what's beautiful about this book is that, as I said at the beginning, is that it's not, you know, a, a one, two, three, four step by step guide, but it's where it sinks into your head after you read the different, because everyone can relate to some of the things that happen to the main character and his, um, girlfriend, his fiance, um, and and it sort of makes you think about things that happened in your own life and how it's so easy for us to get stuck in them. Um, you also talk about themes, themes about uh, th- that we we each develop a theme to our life based upon these early experiences. Uh, a theme about what what we've been taught about the world, what we've been taught about other people, and what we have learned about ourselves. And um, it, it does really, uh, you know, we we don't realize it that we're acting out the same patterns. But indeed, um, these kinds of experiences that made us feel fearful in the past and made us feel that we're not enough. And, and yes, you know, you mentioned advertising that, of course, you know, shows us that uh, we smell too much, so we need a deodorant, or we, um, you know, we we I don't know, just all the different things. Our, our hair isn't. We have pimples. We need. A pimple cream. I mean, all the things that uh, focusing on all these negatives about us so that we'll go out and buy these products, and that's the point of these ads, so that we'll buy the products. But in the meantime, it's causing us to think that we're not enough, we'll never be enough, and we should just stay stuck in our boring 9-to-5 job and not really think about what we are put on this earth to do, the talents that we've been given and the gifts that we've been given. And that's why I'd really recommend that you... That you go out and get this book for a starter. That's, that's an easy thing that you can do. Um, because that, that's the first step. Yes, as Brendan said, there are more steps. It's not the only step. Just reading the book isn't going to be enough in itself. But it will start you uh, on the road to where you want to be. So again, that was lifesgoldenticket.com. And Brendan, thank you very much for uh, being on the show and uh, teaching us about how indeed it is possible without um, without each of us going through a life-threatening car accident, it is possible to actually recognize that we're not where we should be and, and do something about it. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.